0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Big amen. All right, God's greatest gift. We're going to talk about this again, uh, part two. And I started to actually rename this the fulfillment, love the fulfillment um, of God's word. And uh, that'll kind of be the theme of what we're going to be talking about this morning. So last week, I began in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We read the whole chapter, 13 verses. And uh, verse 4 says something uh, that kind of uh, stuck out. And uh, I ran with it a little bit last week. And I shared, honestly, I'm thinking about just bringing three or four of y'all up here and letting you confess uh, uh, your uh, love is patient, love is kind, you know, all those things that I just... Bore my soul. Actually, yesterday my wife and I were, uh, we had worked all day and we were uh, sitting down for uh, a little supper and uh, so Suzanne finished preparing mine first and then I sat down and after a few minutes I yelled, honey, what are you doing? (laughs) She yells out, George is patient, George is kind. (laughs) Personally, I think it was a mockery myself. (laughs) But I laughed. And uh, last week, Melissa sent me a little funny. And uh, so I I felt like since it referenced me, I would go ahead and share it with you. So if you'll throw that up there, maybe some of y'all can identify. It says me trying to monitor the thing I left in God's hands. (laughs) Hey, it's. It's me again just checking on the status. (laughs) Can anybody identify with that? You're you're that person that lays it in God's hands and then quickly uh, begin to remind God that you're waiting for an answer. And then the last part, faith, hope, love, abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And I read real quick out of Romans 13, And I want to uh, read these three verses again and kind of slow down a little bit because my whole message today really comes out of these three verses. Again, Paul is writing to the church at Rome. He's uh, spent all these chapters exhorting, encouraging, challenging, stirring up uh, the church at Rome. And uh, and he gets to these three verses here. Verse 8 says, Owe no one anything, except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law, has fulfilled the law. Now, I want you to kind of underline that in your Bible if you want, or circle it in your smartphone or a smart pad, uh, and we're going to get back to it in just a second. Verse 9, he said, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So, I've been pondering this question, what did Paul mean when he said that love is the fulfilling of the law, the fulfillment of the law? And as I referenced last week, when, you know, Paul first came on the scene, uh, love was not a key ingredient of the fruit of his life. He actually came on the scene biblically named Saul, and he was going about believing with all that was within him that he was honoring Yahweh, the living God, by his actions, and his actions were he was out killing Christians. Killing, murder, and love, well, they're not on the same spectrum. Right? Amen? Amen. And later on we see as Paul gets older, as he writes much of the uh, New Covenant, all these amazing epistles that Paul wrote, uh, we hear in his writings, we see by history that 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 Paul's life had begun to be impacted after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That hardness, that harshness I talked about last week, the, the disagreement, heated disagreement that Paul and Barnabas had um, because of this young man, John Mark, who had traveled with them and had bailed when uh, things got tough. And so, uh, it, it, you, you see in the writing that, that Paul and Barnabas are, are preparing for their next journey. And in the preparation, uh, Barnabas says, we're going to take John Mark with us. And Paul goes, no, we're not. And, and they get in such a heated disagreement. How many of you are married in the house? Let me see your hands. How many of you know what a heated argument is? Not a discussion. Heated. You never had one, John. You're amazing. Uh, Now, I know Erica's not as perfect as you are, but but, uh, a heated disagreement. If you're married more than mm, a little bit, you've had a heated argument. How many of you have actually had a heated argument with yourself? (laughs) Just don't start answering at least in public while people, because somebody's going to call the guys in the white jacket on you. But, but you, uh, you declare something and then you realize that that's not actually what you meant or said. And, and uh, so, we don't always agree with ourselves. We definitely don't always agree in marriage. But Paul and Barnabas, they have such a disagreement that they literally split ways. It's the first split in the New Covenant. Since then, there's been about a billion of them. Because the enemy will give us every kind of excuse. And if we don't allow love to be the key ingredient that keeps us together, that's why yesterday, this precious gift of God, my wife, could use the scripture I preached last week I told y'all last week when I started this, I was like, God, seriously, I am not there yet. He said, Oh, but we're we're working on you. <laughs> and so when she repeats the scripture, I don't think that's actually kind. I think she should come preach, and so I would have some 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 fuel. But anyhow, she, she repeats what I said, and the truth of the matter is it was truthful. I was hungry. <laughs> And ready to eat. And I didn't confess to her that while she was in there, I took two, maybe even three bites (laughs) before we prayed and blessed it. Uh 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 So, So, I was trying not to have a mouthful when I said, Honey, what are you doing in there? So, Paul makes this incredible, powerful statement that love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, let's pause for a moment and think about what the law is. The original law, the original Ten Commandments given by God to Moses on the mount had to give it to him twice because even God gets mad. Moses really got mad. But the original Ten Commandments, how many of you grew up in church and you were taught, you memorized the Ten Commandments, but you failed ever to achieve walking them out the way you wanted to? Let, Let me just see your hand. That would be all of us. Nobody, by the letter of the law, can keep the law. Ten simple laws that aren't so simple when you're trying to keep them after the flesh. And Paul writes this statement, and he says love will fulfill the law. And the law he's talking about are those original Ten Commandments. Now, we know by history that the religious leaders of the day found that 10 laws were just not enough so they started adding 11 12 13 609 610 612 613 laws who i'm tired just saying it seriously who can keep 613 laws no one. And yet Paul says that when we love, we fulfill those laws. Thou shalt not, bunch of them. Thou shalt. So as we ponder this, these laws. Let's forget the 603 that we're at, and let's just go with the 10. In the days that Paul wrote this, now understand, Jesus has come, he's done his thing, he's died on the cross, he's been buried, he's resurrected, and he ascends to the right hand of the Father. Paul never gets to actually meet Jesus in the flesh. He meets him on the road to Damascus. And he falls out because the Spirit of God is so bright and strong. And he has this revelation of Christ. He realizes that killing Christians is not from the Father. And Jesus asked him the question even before he knew it was Christ. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Why are you going after, and Paul answers a profound answer by recognizing by the Spirit that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, when Paul writes these words, love will fulfill the law, I had to really stop and ponder over these last couple of weeks, what exactly did that mean? Is it really possible that love overcomes my zest or desire or ability to try to live those Ten Commandments? I mean, one of those commandments is recognize the Sabbath and keep it holy. So Jesus comes on the scene and he declares a powerful statement to the disciples because they're talking about the law and Jesus says I will show you a more excellent way or an easier way than to do it by the law. Ooh, that upset some religious folks. I can't wait to see how uh, the chosen's gonna portray that message. But, but he comes making a declaration because uh, as you've as you read through the four gospels and you see these disciples following a, a, Jesus around. You know one minute they're mesmerized by what they see Jesus do, the healings they're profound they're like their mouth drops open wow look how look how awesome this is but but then Jesus starts talking, and Jesus came more to talk than he came to perform good works. He did the good works to get their attention so they would listen to him. But what he came to say was way more powerful than causing some blind eyes to open, or deaf people to hear, lame people to walk, or leprous people to be cleansed, or even dead folks to come back to life. Because you do realize they had to die again, right? <laughs> yeah. I've told you all before, whoo, when I'm gone, don't anybody be practicing raising the <laughs> dead on me. I ain't coming back. I'm going to be on the other side. You're going to be saying, come! And I'm going to be going, no! No! Because I'm not going to want to come back. I love all of y'all. I will wait for you at the gate. But I'm not coming back. But Jesus comes and he says, I've got a, matter of fact, they ask him the question, Rabbi, what is the greatest command of all? They're talking about these 10 commandments. Which one is the best? Which one is the strongest? Which one is the greatest? And Jesus says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way than trying to keep the letter of the law. So he says, if you will do this one thing, listen to this. The other commandments, 10 or 613, without even thinking about it, hear me, He says, you will fulfill. Ponder that. Jesus says, I'm going to share something with you that if you can get this, if you can grab hold of this, the other commandments you're going to do without even thinking about it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, those Ten Commandments, man, we got them out of Exodus. We memorized them in Sunday school. We were told how important they were. You, you want to be right with God, you got to keep these. And so you would set out to discipline, practice the commandments. But just about the time you got one or two of them down really good, you would mess up on number three or four <laughs> or five. And yet Jesus gives this provocative thought that there's actually something you can get a hold of that will enable you without even thinking about it to fulfill all the rest of them. He said, if you love, you will unconsciously fulfill the whole law without thinking. If you will set yourself to walk in love, the commandments will just line up and you'll not have to worry about them. So, I started thinking about that, the 10. And I decided, I'm going to look at what Paul was saying and what he must have been saying and declaring that love would fulfill these laws. So I decided to go and um, I'm only going to do eight of them, but but I decided to take eight of the commandments and let's look at them for a moment and see if it's really possible that if I can learn this love thing, this agape thing, this love that's not based on you being perfect or doing perfect or acting perfect for me to love you, That really, my love for you has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me. Oh, that's good. That's why I believe in marriage. You can make a covenant until death do you part. Because every time you struggle in your marriage, and we all want to blame our spouse. If he could just get it right. If she could just... Love me better. That's all comes back to that selfish thing because it's really all about me individually. My wife laughingly and jokingly calling me in my name yesterday came as a result of me being honest up here on stage, making a declaration that George wants to be patient. <laughs> George is not always kind, but he really wants to be kind. You know anybody that whenever you think about them, you don't have kind thoughts? <laughs> don't talk about your family members. <laughs> but, but the reality is we're not talking about someone else. We're talking about you. So for me to fulfill love to fulfill the law by loving, it really has nothing to do with anyone else. It has everything to do with me surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, Lord, I want that revelation that you gave the disciples that the greatest of all the commandments is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, body, strength, with everything, come on, And to love your neighbor, hold it, as you love yourself. You see, if you think you have a problem with your neighbor, you really got a problem with you. About four of you got that. (laughs) Because we think it's my neighbor that God put in my life. You know, some of y'all came to this church kicking and screaming. You were white, and you didn't want to be in a church that had black folks, brown folks, other kind of folks, old folks, young folks, rich folks, poor folks. And as much as you tried to go somewhere else, you were miserable because God kept making you come back here. Now, why would God do that? Doesn't he love you, and doesn't he want you to do whatever you want to do? Yes, he loves you. But no, it ain't about you getting everything you want. Because see, some of you never got that racism worked out in your life until you came to a church family where someone was sitting beside you (laughs) that you, without realizing it, held on against for no other reason than it was inbred. Some of you got in a... It even went further than the church family. You got in a connect group led by someone that stretched you. And you're like, God, why do I got to be here? God said, because I love you. (laughs) And you want to walk with me throughout throughout all eternity. We got to deal with these things in your heart that are not fulfilling the law. Because you don't even have love for someone. I was at a meeting this week up in Charlotte, North Carolina with some pastor friends. And for the first time ever, I was in this pastor's meeting and there were actually more black pastors and spouses than there were white guys. And I immediately recognized that and smiled. Thought, this is cool. Because I'm going to hear some stuff today from a culture that's a little bit different than mine or ours being a very interracial house because several of these pastors pastored all black churches. And as, I, as I, we talked and as I listened and, and challenged in things and encouraged in things and questioned in some things, realizing that God loves all his children— And so, I I got the opportunity to share with them how that when Suzanne and I and the boys uh, were driving down I-75 south, uh, heading into Gainesville, August the 16th, 1987, I said to my wife several things that Holy Spirit had spoken to me. And I I told her, I said, honey, uh, I don't know if we talked about this, but by the way, Holy Spirit has said, we're going to be in Gainesville for the entirety of our lives, we're not going there for a pit stop. We're not going to go there until grass gets greener somewhere else and we take off there. We're, we're, we're going to pastor for life. And she immediately says, well, what if nobody comes? <laughs> I'm like, baby, I, I, I can't even deal with that. I just got to trust God. God said go. God sent us. We didn't come on our own. We just didn't went. We were sent. And, and so, in doing that, I had this confidence that no matter what, even though I don't know how to do this thing, Holy Spirit does. And I'd call Apostle Ball, my pastor, and I'd say, Pastor, you know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what exactly do we do? How do we attract someone? How do we get somebody to come to church? And he's like, son, I've never done what you're doing, so I guess, you know, you ought to probably pray in the Spirit and do whatever Holy Spirit says. So I started out praying and hearing and I told the guys about my little endeavor with one day uh, we came home and there was a Domino's pizza doorknob hanger uh, hanging on our door. And I thought, I just got this incredible idea. Well, if Domino's can do it, why can't the Rock of Gainesville do it? So, man, I got a little picture, and I got the information, and I went down and had somebody make me a beautiful beige color, dark uh, um, ink, and a picture of my family on the front, and, and uh, the Rock of Gainesville, new church established in Gainesville, blah, 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 where we met, what time. And I ordered 5,000 of them, because I'm a man of faith. I figure if I pass out 5,000, at least five people will come. So I took the boys and we started going out in the afternoon. The boys would complain and they're riding their bikes and dogs would chase us and we got called by the on the cops by us. You're not supposed to be soliciting in this neighborhood. And all I was doing was and hanging on the door, and go to the next one and hanging on the door. Or I was trying to send the boys up to the door. Boy, <laughs> run up there and hang that thing. <laughs> and they were like, Daddy, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, y'all stop being disobedient, rebellious. We got we got a church to build. <laughs> So, so, one afternoon as I'm loading the boys and their bikes back up in the van and, and we're heading back to the house, I said, Holy Spirit, my boys are just complaining and it's hot out here and the cops are being called on us and, and, and you know, are, are you going to bless us or not? And Holy Spirit said, as clear as anything, did I tell you to do that? <laughs> no, but Lord, it was a really good idea. Domino sells Pizzas. And he said, I didn't tell you to do that. And I kind of just half-cockingly said, well, what did you tell me to do? He said, I told you to pray, prophesy, stretch your hands over the north, the south, the east, and the west. And call what you want, and I will build my house. So, I went home, boxed up the 4,875. (laughs) Stuck them in the garage. And years later, years later. I see this box in my garage. I'm like, what is that box? And Went to pull it out. It was a heavy box. (laughs) I opened up that box. I started laughing. And so for quite a few years, I used the rock doorknob hangers to build my fire in the fireplace (laughs) in the winter because they really ignited that fire. But I don't think anybody ever, not one person came as a result of those doorknob hangers. But prophesying, praying, declaring, you're here. You're here because Holy Spirit put something in you and drew you to this house. And you know, at, when we first started being a white man, I, I realized, understood the principle of it and, and that more than likely if people heard about our house and they saw our picture, white people would come. And I told y'all the story when I first met Miss Chris. Harold, Miss Chris, wave your hand so everybody see you're black. Uh, (laughs) She has no problem being black and I have no problem being white. But I met Miss Chris like the first or second week that I started the church because she owned this little um, postal store and they had fax machine and, and copy machine. And so every Monday after, I would count the number of heads that were in church, 35, 37, 39, uh, and I would count the offering. Then I'd write up a report and I'd go to Miss Chris's mailbox place and and we would either uh, make a copy of it and I'd, and I'd put it in an envelope and mail it. Or I can't remember if we faxed or not, if maybe we did fax it over. But I did that every week. And every week, Ms. Chris and I would start just talking to each other, preaching to each other, and man, she just like, she was just such an amazing, encouraging woman, and, and I was this young kid, little boy, Ms. Chris called me, just a little boy. And she's like, that cute little white boy, that, that little boy, I, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's got a good heart. And, and so, one day, Ms. Chris said, I'm going to come visit your church. I said, no, you're not. And she looked surprised, like, you don't let black people come to your church? Oh, Miss Chris, I'm prophesying black people to come to my church. She said, Well, well, well why can't I come visit? I said, Because Miss Chris, if you ever come visit, you ain't leaving. Amen. We two joined by the Spirit. So it was several years, a couple years. I don't remember uh, what year Miss Chris came. But, but uh, one day when she was going to church, another church, she served faithfully. She's a part of a an house. And, and the pastor stood up in the pulpit and actually said some bad stuff about me. And Miss Chris knew me. And so she went to him afterwards and said, look, what you said is not true. And I can't stay working here. And, and I don't know if she told him she's leaving, but she left. And the next week, she came. And I'm such a prophet because <laughs> there she sits, 33, 34 years later, and she's still here. Now, what joined a black woman and a little white boy Holy Spirit. There we go. was love. the love of God. Yes. Man, that love I felt with that woman. And then when she became my secretary, I was like, I just double dog, triple dog, dare y'all to go to my office and talk bad about me. Miss <laughs> Chris will put the, what was that wrestler's name? He'd go, bam, <laughs> Dusty Rhodes. She put the dusty roads on them. <laughs> Why would she defend me? Because she loved me. Yeah. She worked with me. She knew I wasn't perfect. She wasn't in my office but a couple of weeks. And we were over at Royal Park Plaza Theater. I'm going to get to my message in a minute. <laughs> if not, it'll be good for next week. <laughs> but Miss Chris came into my office and, uh, and I said, she was only in the church a little while and I called her and asked her to come meet with me. And I said, "Miss Chris, I'm, I'm pretty much certain that I heard Holy Spirit, that you're supposed to work for me, with me. And she said, well, Pastor, you know, I own my business. And, and she just finally, just abruptly, said, she said, look, you just pray with me. If God will sell my business, I'll come to work for you. Well, that's all the faith I needed. <laughs> so I prayed and God sold her business. <laughs> and she came to work for me. Now, Miss Chris has had has a habit. She likes to chew gum and roll it and pop it. (laughs) Oh, my sweet Jesus, if you know me, (laughs) you don't pop gum around me. (laughs) You don't chew ice around me because George is so patient and kind. (laughs) But she'd be way up front in the office. I was way, all the way in the back of the Royal Park storefront that we had. And, and when we built it, Tad and I and Pastor Ed built it, we just, we couldn't afford everything. So, we just built walls, no top on it. So, we just had little cubbyhole offices. And, and it was Ed and Tad and then me all the way at the end. And, and I'd be sitting in there trying to study or something, and I'd hear that gum rolling <laughs> <laughs> and popping. I yelled, Miss Chris! she said, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. And she would throw it away because she couldn't chew it without rolling it. <laughs> and it became our standing joke that over 20-plus years that she worked for me, if she ever came around and was still chewing her gum, I mean, I wouldn't have to say anything. Because the minute she realized it, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. And she'd throw that gum away. What a silly little thing, right? Wow. Marriages have broken up in divorce. <laughs> <laughs> over things smaller than that. And her gum chewing popping never affected my love for her, but boy, it aggravated me. It's like eh, fingernails on a blackboard. <laughs> I don't know why, I'm just I'm just whatever I is. <laughs> But Miss Chris never stopped loving me because I asked her to stop popping her gum. And what an incredible gift this woman is—not to just Suzanne, I but to this whole house. I think we ought to give it up for my woman, Miss Chris. So, so Paul says, love will fulfill all the law. So I decided I was going to just take some of these and pull them out and see how they fit in the scheme of of love never fails. So the first one is take not, well, no, sorry, I missed one. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Think about that in your own life. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Everyone in this room has worshiped something else in your lifetime. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your home, your car, your position, something, your football team. Don't tell me there ain't a whole lot of idol worshiping going on across this nation Week after week during football season. Especially here in Gator Idolatry. So, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. If a man loves God, hear me. If he loves God, you will not have to tell that man that he needs to put away his idols. Think about it. I'm not talking about if a man goes to church, if a man prays, if a man's religious. I'm saying if a man has come into the revelation, Jesus spoke in John 17 in his prayer, Father, that they may know you the way I know you. If we have that kind of love, you don't have to have somebody running around behind you. Because when Holy Spirit convicts you, anybody written... Um, on 39th Avenue from the interstate out to 241 and seeing that uh, it used to be a little Episcopal church and now they got these big fat idols out there. Ugly things. You say, Pastor, you being mean now. No, I'm just being honest. Big, fat, ugly, ceramic God that can't hear doesn't speak. But man, piles of cars in that little place. Every day, seven days a week. Thinking, how sad to give so much energy in life to something that cannot talk back to you, cannot speak, doesn't hear. Just this form of a God. But when you know Him, Yahweh, the living God, the God who speaks, the God who convicts, the God who loves, the God who reaches out, the God who draws you. You don't need someone telling you. You really need to deal with your heart because Holy Spirit will deal with your heart. The second one, take not His name in vain. Would you ever dream of taking God's name in vain? Since you came to a place of recognizing who he is in your life. The God who loves you. The God who created you in his image and his likeness. The God who gave his only son to come and to die a horrible death. So that you could benefit because his blood would wash all the sin out of your life. You don't have to be told. to love him. It just comes out. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Would you not be more than happy to have one day a week, listen to this, to dedicate more exclusively to the object of your affection, the love of God? That's why some of us need the Holy Spirit to convict us when we first get saved and come into the kingdom because a lot of folks think I got to work seven days a week. I got to work three jobs seven days a week. I got to do all this. I, I got I to take off to go do for me. When God said, don't forsake the assembling of the brothers and the sisters. Come together in fellowship continually and then set a day aside. Hear me. To rest. You remember a few weeks ago I had a little episode here on a Wednesday night. Ended up in the hospital. And the doctors there, several of them, along with my doctor, Dr. Bodia, my oncologist, along with my primary care physician, Dr. Benjamin, they all I think got together. I don't know. I don't even know if they know each other, but somehow they all got together because they all said the same thing to me. And that is, Pastor, you got to learn to rest, rest, rest. And then Dr. Bodhi said as I was walking out of his office, oh yeah, Pastor, don't forget. <laughs> you need to learn to rest. You can't come home from a 16-hour trip from Honduras and jump right back in because, one, recognizing I'm battling something, I have to walk in truth. And so, what an opportunity that the Lord says, man, one day a week, you're just going to remember it's a holy day. And you're going to give your time and affection. Isn't it wonderful we get to come together on Sundays to worship God? As the psalmist said, "I'd I'd rather spend all my time in the house of God. There's something about when brothers and sisters come together, you get to see each other, you get to greet each other, you get to hug each other, you get to encourage one another, you get to pray for each other. And then in the midst of all of that, we get to come together to corporately lift up holy hands. Man, wasn't that song powerful? Speak the name of Jesus. There's something about when you say that name. It just stirs life in you. So, for some of you in this room this morning, I I would encourage you, don't let your Sabbath day become just like any other day. Learn how to rest in the presence of the Lord. Learn how to use a day to reflect, to give thought, to remember all the good things that Father God has done for you. Love would fulfill all these laws regarding God. How about honoring your father and mother, one who loves would never have to be told to honor? You see, to give honor has nothing to do with are your parents honorable? I have time to preach this. Give respect to your parents. doesn't mean that all your parents have always done it right. But boy, there is a command to honor your father and mother. And when you love God, honoring becomes, it just flows. Because you realize there's something connected to the way I honor my parents, to the way I honor Father God. Might come back and preach some more on that. How about this one? Thou shalt not commit murder, thou shalt not kill. As a believer, what keeps you from striking out in anger is the love of God. It's quiet in here this morning, and I hope it's because you are meditating on the significance that you don't have to waste energy trying to fulfill the letter of the law. Jesus said, I come to give you a more, a better way a more better, a more better way, an easier way, a simpler way. What is that? To love God. These six young people on the front row right here, one from Ukraine, one from Morocco, three from Fiji, one from Australia. Yesterday, they came to mine and Suzanne's house just to help us do some things that we needed done. Now in turn, in, in return, Pastor Suzanne cooked them a massive pot of red beans and rice, some garlic bread, a salad, topped it off with some ice cream and cookies. And man, they were like, she like looked at me like, do these kids ever get to eat? Because they're eating like they're starving to death. Every one of them, girls included, Helped themselves to a second plate and I served their first plate. It was beans running over. They they ate like, man, they ain't never had nothing like this. And they kept complimenting Pastor Zan on how good it was, how great it was. But they for about seven hours worked. Matter of fact, at the table, the stinketh ran over. I was like, whoo, I smell so bad. And they they said, yes, sir, Pastor, (laughs) you do. No, they didn't say it like that. But they said, well, we all stink, which we all did. But they worked so hard. Why would they do it? We didn't pay them anything. Shame on us. Because they wouldn't take it. They came to just say thank you. One of the young ladies told Pastor Suzanne, She said, I am so thankful that God brought me to this nation, to the Rock School, and to this church. It saved my life. What saved, what saved her life? The love of God fulfills every law. The love of God is amazing. Do not steal. How would anyone who loves want to take what doesn't belong to them? You don't have to worry about, man, I got to keep that law number one, you know, I can't steal. No. You don't even think about it. When was the last time you thought about stealing something? I can remember mine. It was bubble gum in my mama's little store, and I thought, surely I'm going to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You are going straight directly to hell." When I got saved, my number one sin, besides just not knowing Jesus, was, I'm a thief. And so, when I got saved, God did all the work. But the conviction was I had to go to Mama and say, Mama, I've been stealing bubble gum out of the store. She said, I know, son. That's why you're saved today because I was gonna kill you, but God said he'd save you <laughs> But but when you're walking in love, you don't, you don't go out of here thinking I'm gonna go rob someone How about do not bear false witness against your neighbor you see if you love God and you love yourself, then you can love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the last thing you would ever do would want to bring a false witness. You say, well, pastor, I've been in some churches where there was some serious false witnessing going on. Yeah, because church and the love of God are two different things. When we can get it right as a church, then we'll not be remembered as the church that split. For the third time, fifth time, tenth time, because of some ridiculous thing that we disagree on. The love of God will help us overcome. You want green carpet or you want red carpet? You want blue carpet because it reflects the sky and God? Or do you want red carpet because it reflects the blood of God? Oh, we gotta have red carpet. Well, what if I don't like red? But ridiculous stuff happens in the name of God, because the one ingredient that's missing is the love of God that impacts someone's life. Lastly, do not covet what your neighbor has. Ooh, this is a big one, bigger than you realize. Some folks are driving a vehicle that they can't afford because their neighbor had one. And they figured, i got to have one of those. Well, you don't have to, especially if you can't afford it. Coveting will get you into trouble. But when you allow his love to just saturate your life, then love is the fulfillment of that law. Lastly, John 13, 34, this is where it all began. Jesus speaks to the disciples and he says, a new commandment I give to you that you... Love one another just as I have loved you, that you also are to love one another. Listen, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. If, say if, if you have love one for another. The greatest gift given to us by Father God is the gift of his son Jesus Christ who was given because of the agape of God because God's heart was that he would have many sons and daughters. So Jesus comes on the scene, comes from heaven as a babe and walks through the earth for 33 years doing good works because he was ultimately going to die on the cross so that his blood would cleanse us from unrighteousness. Listen to this, why? Because God didn't want just one son. God wanted many sons and daughters. And the thing that will forever radically impact and change your life is when you allow that love just to become a revelation in your life. So that everything you do, you begin to base it on the idea, is or are my actions being done because of love? Or are they being done because of religion? Because religion will ultimately mess me up. But love will never fail. Amen? Love conquers all, love overcomes all, love forgives all, love establishes. Love will impact this world. 2023. Man, as we get ready for 24 and the elections, man, you're going to see and hear all kinds of ugliness come out of people that go to church on a regular basis. I ask you, I challenge you, I encourage you, let love be your motivation. Learn that you can disagree with someone and still love them. You don't always have to prove you're right. Amen? Amen. Love conquereth, overcometh, establishes everything that we need. Would you bow your head for a moment, please? If today you're sitting in this place or you're watching online and love has not been the key ingredient in your life because you have never invited Father God into your life through His Son, Jesus Christ. You have not surrendered your heart, soul, mind, and body to Jesus. You know about Him, but you don't know Him. Today, Jesus is knocking at your heart's door and He wants to reveal the Father's love to you through His love. That He shown by going to the cross for your benefit. Jesus loves you so much, and today I'm going to offer you an opportunity to respond to the work of Holy Spirit in your life. Not inviting you to become a member of this church or to join some religious organization. simply today saying there is something desperately lacking and missing in your life. It's a personal relationship with the God who loves you, created you in His image and His likeness. Gave His Son for you, sent the Holy Spirit of God to reveal that love so that you could know Him. And in knowing Him, your life would be forever radically changed because He first loved you. With every head bowed, believers are praying for you. If you're sitting in this room this morning, if you're watching online, today can forever mark a day of change, a day of hope, a day of the promise of eternal security, being released in your life by a simple act by a simple decision to say, Jesus, today I'm inviting you to be Lord of my life. It would be a privilege for me to get to lead you in a prayer where you're going to invite him today to be Lord and Savior of your life. It all begins here. It all begins in this moment. And if today that is you and you're ready to respond, would you just lift up your hand and hold it nice and high so I can see it all across this congregation? Yes, dear. God bless you so much. You can put it down once you put it. Uh, thank you. God bless you, dear. You can put it down. Thank you so much. There are others. Today is the day, the day of salvation, the day when your life radically and forever is set on a path and a course to follow after God. Begins with you, begins with a decision, begins with you responding. Jesus is knocking at your heart's door, and he's inviting you to come in. Yes, God bless you. Who else? Today, you're ready. You're watching online this morning. I can't see you, but you can pray this prayer with us in a moment. You can text in, call in, call our church office. Let someone know. Make a decision, and then we will help you in the days ahead. But before I lead us in prayer, anyone else, this is the biggest, greatest, most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life, the decision I surrender to God. He will forever be my Lord. Anyone else before I lead us in this prayer? All right, I want to invite you to stand right where you are. I'm going to invite the whole congregation to join us as we pray with these that have responded this morning. Pray this prayer out loud. Pray it in faith. Father God in the name of your son Jesus I come today acknowledging my need of you. Thank you God that you first loved me. Thank you that you gave your son Jesus. Thank you that you gave Holy Spirit that enables me today to make this response. Today Jesus I invite you into my life to be my Lord, to be my Savior, my Redeemer, my healer, my friend. I confess I need you. I confess that sin has been prevalent in my life. But today, I ask you to forgive me. I bring it all, and I lay it at your feet, Jesus. Because today, I'm choosing you. I choose this day to serve you, to love you, all the rest of the days of my life. Thank you so much, Father, for loving me. I choose you now because you first chose me, and I do it in the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise for these this morning. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.